Well, hey, welcome back uh, to Church Online. Welcome to week number three of a four-part series we call on The Comeback Kid, all about the life and legacy of Nehemiah. And I love this series. If you haven't uh, been with us yet, let me just encourage you, jump back a couple of messages and catch up where we are in this series. Uh, just talking about what it means to have a comeback. And the steps of a comeback. Come on, in our in our country, in our world, maybe in your life, I know there's seasons of my life. I just need to pull myself together and and come back. And uh, and this is really, I think this is probably the best story in the Bible, talking about the practical steps of making a comeback in your life. And we're in week uh, three of this. Let me just give you a quick r recap. We're going to talk about standing in the face of opposition. Let me go ahead and tell you where we're going this week. We're going to talk about what it means when opposition comes in your life, when you're doing what you know you're supposed to do, answering the call of God in your life, and there's still opposition. Anytime God leads you to do anything good, anything meaningful, anything lasting, anything generous, anything powerful, anything that is making progress in your life, let me be the first, or, or maybe just tell you again, you can expect opposition right amen in the comments to that like it, it's just it's gonna be there you can expect resistance you can expect obstacles I think one of the things as a pastor that always surprises me is how surprised people are when the enemy attacks when there's opposition when I'm doing the right thing and there's still obstacles and it's still hard and it's been this way all throughout history think about it you got Adam and Eve you got the devil you have the serpent you got Moses doing what God's called him to do, leading the people out of Egypt. You got Pharaoh, opposition. You got David, the man after God's own heart. Come on, I'm trying to make, I'm already anointed king on my way to the throne, and there's a Goliath. You got Jesus, and there's King Herod, and there's Pontius Pilate. There's, there's an obstacle. You got Batman, come on, you got Joker. Like, I mean, there's just, everybody's got something. You got Nehemiah, and there's two guys in this story. Uh, great names, by the way, if you're pregnant with a little boy uh, or about to have a little boy. Sanballat and Tobiah. Great names. Sanballat's not hyphenated, just in case you're wondering. Um, and so it, there's opposition that comes into his life in the form of these two guys. I'll get to that in just a moment. Let me catch you up. Nehemiah is the cupbearer. You know that to the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. He has this uh, a desire in his heart, this burning desire. I'm a regular guy, but I've heard about our homeland, what's happened to Jerusalem. The walls are torn down. The city's torn down. My heart's broken. He travels a thousand miles from where he's at in Persia back to Jerusalem. And he inspires people to do what they thought was the impossible. And that's, the, that's rebuild the city, rebuild the gates of the city. And, and really, this is what they start. Now, this is the work that they've begun. They're rebuilding the city and they're rebuilding the gates of the city. The Bible's very clear that the walls are down and the gates are down. Gates are important. I don't have time to teach it to you today, but in the Bible, gates are super important. Jesus would say, I am the gate. I'm the sheep gate that, that you can come into. Gates are super important in the Bible. They signify uh, moving from this level to that level, going from this season to that season, the open door of God in your life. And so Nehemiah is rebuilding the gates all around the city of Jerusalem. He's rebuilding the sheep gate. There was a gate that just you brought the sheep in, you know, and the shepherd would come in. That's the way they got into the city. There was a fish gate where all the fishermen would bring in fish this way. There was a valley gate, a horse gate, a water 
gate, a dung gate. Let me just pause here and let you know, if I'm rebuilding, put me on the sheep gate or the fish gate, not the dung gate. I just, that, I, don't, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And you got to remember, the people building the wall, the people rebuilding these gates are not carpenters, everybody. They're not, they're not masonries. They're, they're like, they don't know how to stonework and how do we, these are just, these aren't goldsmiths. These aren't people who've been working with iron. These are perfume makers. I mean, these are merchants. These are just average, normal people who are doing something extraordinary, rebuilding the walls and the gates of this city. And they're making progress in the story. I don't have time to tell you, but they're, they're starting to make progress. The gates are coming together. The walls are coming together. The work's going down. I mean, it's, it's happening. It looks like we're, come on, something's coming together. And you may know this feeling in your life. Come on, the work's going down. It looks like it's actually working. It looks like I'm making some progress. I'm paying off some bills. I got some stuff. Come on, we're, we haven't fought in a whole week since I've yelled. And it's been a whole week since I kicked the dog. Or, or You know, we're making progress in our life. Write this down uh, because this is super important to you. When the work goes down, the opposition shows up. When the work goes down, that's when the opposition shows up in your life. It's always true. When you start looking at progress in your life, that's when opposition comes. Sanballat hears, Sanballat and Tobiah, they hear that, that he's rebuilding the wall, Nehemiah 4. Sanballat, this enemy of Nehemiah, hears they're building the wall, and he became angry and was greatly incensed. This is what your Bible says. And he ridiculed the Jews, made fun of them. In the presence of all of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Interesting the way he says that. I'll come back to this. Well, they restore their wall. He's making fun of them and he's mocking these, these, these guys that really aren't, they don't know how to rebuild, honestly, a lot of anything, but they're doing the work. It appears that the work's going down. Will they offer their sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life and the heaps of rubble burned as they are? Verse 3 of Nehemiah 4 says, And Tobiah... Sanballat's friend, the Ammonite, is with him, who was at his side, says, what are they building? Like he, so now he makes fun. Like this, is like this is like Old Testament your mama jokes. I mean, he's making, he says even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of stones. I mean, he's just, he's just hurling these insults. And, and they call them these feeble Jews. Sanballat calls them these feeble Jews. It's actually the same word that's, it's the same Hebrew word that is described when you cut a flower. And you watch it slowly wither away. And maybe you know that feeling. Maybe the enemy, you feel like, man, you've been cut so deep that I'm not dead yet, but I'm dying. And I don't know if i got enough strength to carry on. And I don't know if this is going to work. And I, I mean, we're doing it. The work's going down. But now the opposition shows up. Now it's, now it's trouble time. When the work goes down, the opposition always shows up. Up, when you share your story, when you, when you share your testimony, when you do something, when you have faith, when you decide to step out and do what God's called you to do, you're always going to be met with resistance. I don't want you to be surprised about the opposition to the good work you're doing. When you go to church for the first time in a long time. It's always the truth. You're going to run late and you're going to fight in the car. Come on, everybody. <laughs> like, I, I, All right, we're making an effort. Today we're going to church. Today we're getting dressed. And now here we are, and, and, and everything's broken down before we get there. You go to get out of debt. This is true. You know, we pay off. We pay off. We're working hard, and the car breaks down. 
And, and, and now we're step, stepping back. Two steps forward, one step back. How do we know what's happened? You start serving in a ministry on the weekend, and, and you think, today's my first serve. I love, I love, I love our dream team that shows up for first serve. We celebrate big first serves, people that serve their first time on a dream team on the weekend in a weekend service. And you're all pumped up. you got your new dream team shirt on. You're ready to serve. And your kid throws up Fruit Loops all over your new dream team shirt. I mean, it, it's always... Something's on your heart. Something I got to tell you what God told me, and 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 now you get this nagging feeling of don't be so dumb, and you're so stupid. And there's always resistance, there's opposition when you start making progress in your life. I'm asking you this weekend. Listen, don't be surprised when opposition shows up. I want to teach you. Don't be surprised when the enemy shows up when you start making progress. When the work goes down and opposition shows up. The devil doesn't bother. Listen to this. The devil doesn't bother anybody who, who isn't a threat. And the devil wouldn't bother you if you weren't a threat to his plans in your life. The opposition wouldn't show up unless they were scared of you. And the devil wouldn't show up to give you any trouble if he wasn't worried about the progress you're making. Let me encourage you today. It's easier, I know it is, to just coast along and to do your comfortable thing and and to live this comfortable life. And you do you, you know. And I, 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 just want, I just don't want any opposition. It's easier to just curate your Instagram worthy life. Come on, hashtag blessed. And, 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 and you got no problems. And, and it's, I, don't, I don't want any progress. I don't want to do anything. You can go to church if you want to. But man, I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to pray. Surely don't serve them. And the enemy is, is okay with you going to church, but man, don't start making progress. Don't start really going all in. Don't start tithing. Don't start caring. Don't start praying. Don't start giving. Don't start serving. Because now, now if you start doing some spiritual things, now the enemy shows up. You can do a little bit. You can do enough to make you feel good. But man, I don't want you to do enough to matter. The moment you step out in faith, you realize now the battle is on. Now the opposition shows up. There's always going to be critics to your progress. Listen to me very clearly at Church Online this weekend. There will always be critics to your progress. Always. The loudest boos always come from the cheapest seats, everybody. The loudest jeers about what you're not doing and how you're not making it and how things are not right in your life and how dare you. It always comes from people who, who, don't, who are in the cheapest seats, who are doing nothing. You're always going to have haters. You're always going to have naysayers. How do you respond to the critics in your life? How do you respond to the doubters who say, why are you even doing this again? Why are you giving church another chance? I can't believe you. I, I know you. I know this isn't you. I've seen you try this before. I've seen you go all in before, and, and now I, I know how you failed, and I can't believe you're going to do this, and opposition shows up. And listen close. Your response to the critic and to the, to, to the doubter, your response to the naysayer, determines the success of your progress. Most of the time, you just, you, you just decide, I'm not going to respond, I'm not going to do anything, and, and Nehemiah is so good at this. I want you to listen here. Nehemiah doesn't respond. He doesn't answer. He doesn't defend. A lot of times, you know, you'll just sit back and you'll kind of coil up and think, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. Or if you do answer, you lash out and, and then they go, see, I got you. I, I, knew, I knew this was always going to happen. When you acknowledge your critics, listen close, you give them power. 
When you acknowledge your critics, you give them the power that they've always wanted in your life. The, honestly, your haters and your critics and your doubters and the people who are opposing you, they don't really matter until you give them credit, and, and, until you respond to them. It, it's not easy to deal with critics and haters and naysayers, and it's even more difficult to do it when it's somebody that you love, and it's somebody that's close, when it's a family member, when it's a mom or a dad or your brother or your sister, somebody in church that you feel like a close friend who tells you, don't be stupid, don't, you can't do that. You can't start that ministry. You can't really rebuild your life. You can't really expect this again. You can't really move forward. Why, why do you even, don't quit your day job. That's what they say, right? Don't quit your day job. Like, this is okay, but I don't know if I'd give my whole life to this. And, and, and they're just barely, uh, you know, giving you any hope that you can make it. Maybe you feel God calling you to foster children and there are people in your life telling you, 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 you can barely take care of the kids you've got. How, how dare you step out and do something more? You, you want to start a small group this fall and you feel like, man, I could really help people and pastor people and, and there are people close to you and people in your life who say, who do you think you are? You don't know enough. You don't know enough of the Bible. You, you, you got enough problems on your own. How dare you try to help somebody else? You want to apply for that promotion on your job. You feel like God's given you favor and given you something to do. And, 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 and people will tell you, what skills do you think that you have that, that qualify you for this? You're too old. You're too young. You're too inexperienced. You're too busy. No, listen close. Here's what I, I want you to write this in the comments. I'm not any too of that. I'm not too young, too old, too inexperienced. I'm not too of that. You're too negative. That's the problem. Come on, not my haters and critics... You just don't know what God's put inside of me. You don't know what God's called me to do. You, you don't know the, the calling that God has on my life. It may not be the same calling you've got, but God called me to build this wall. I feel like preaching right to myself at church online this weekend. God called me to build this gate. What qualifies you to build the gate? What qualifies you to build this wall? What makes you think you've got all the skills? Listen, you're just being negative because you're sitting on the sidelines doing nothing with your life, but I know God called me to do this. I know God. I, I'm, I'm not going to write this in your notes. I'm not going to let praise go to my head, and I'm not going to let criticism go to my heart. I'm not going to let praise go to my head, and I'm not going to let criticism go to my heart. I see too many people who praise goes to your head and you start thinking, man, now, now you're invincible and now anything you know that I do is right. No, you can't let that happen. But you also can't let criticism get in your heart. Doubt, fear, and worry, and people that tell you what you can't do. And Nehemiah knows this. Listen, he knows I don't have to answer to you. I have to answer to God. I don't have to answer to you for what God's called me to do, Sanballat, Tobiah. I don't have to tell you what my qualifications are to rebuild this wall and rebuild these gates. i got to answer to God. That's who I answer to. And instead of engaging on this lower level of answering his critics, Nehemiah does what he always does. He appeals to the higher level, the higher power in his life. He prays to God. Instead of sinking down to where they are and the critics are and the haters are and the doubters are, Nehemiah says, I'm not going to give you any time. I don't have to answer to you. I'm going to go back to God. And he does just that. Nehemiah 4, he says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. He's praying now after this interaction with the critics. And turn their insults, Sanballat and Tobiah, turn their insults back on their own heads. I love that. 
Like, give them what it is they think that they're cursing me with. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. And do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they've thrown insults in the face of the builders. Man, I love that. I wish I had time to preach you. There's always people who throw insults in the face of the builders. Nobody ever criticizes people who aren't building something. They only criticize the builders. They only criticize the people who are building a better spiritual life. They only criticize the family members who are building a better family legacy. They only criticize the people who are crawling out of addiction. They only criticize the people who are crawling out of poverty and lack and debt. They only criticize the builders. Verse 6, Nehemiah says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it had reached half of its height, and the people worked with all of their heart. We didn't just get started. Now we're halfway there. And, and, and the work goes down, and that's when opposition shows up. And Nehemiah could have let him stop, and he could, have, he could have let all of that hatred and all of that criticism and all of that doubt and all of that fear stop the progress. No, no, no. He said they built with all of their heart. It was fuel. Come on, you need to let that doubt and criticism and hate be fuel to your fire. This is what God's called me to do, and now they're halfway there. They paused to pray, and then they got back to work. Nehemiah says, I'm going to pray about this. I'm not going to respond to my critics. I'm going to take it to God, but then I'm going to get back to work. i got something to do. And now there's this another round of opposition comes. Now we're halfway there, and this other round of opposition starts showing up. And now there's another prayer that's offered. And now Nehemiah's like, man, we got to guard this thing. Like, we got to make sure. He posts guards up around the wall and, and, and at night. And, 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 and there's, there's two sides to his strategy, and there's two sides to your comeback strategy I want to give you today before we end our message. One side is spiritual, and one side is practical. One side is how you combat opposition in the spirit, and one side is how you, come on, I'm going to pray about it, and then I'm going to keep working on it. Write this down in your notes. You need to pray as if everything depends on God for you to rebuild in your life. But you need to work as if everything depends on you. You, you need to pray as if I can only do this thing if God shows up in my life. But we got to work as if I'm responsible for building this wall. The opposition doesn't stop when you decide to attack the spirit and in the practical Verse 10 of the same chapter, Nehemiah 4. So meanwhile, the people in Judah say, listen, the Jews that are already there, remember they've, there's already been a remnant that's come back to Jerusalem who tried to do this before Nehemiah comes back to no avail. God, I wish I had time to do this weekend because the people who try and fail are the people who like to point out when you try. The people who, who went back and couldn't accomplish what you are accomplishing, they're the loudest voices. So the people in Judah say, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Now the people are repeating the hatred. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, listen, this is in your Bible, read this. The Jews that live near the work came and told us ten times over. Good night. Church people, people that should know better, 
people you thought would encourage you, people you thought would be on your side, people you thought would, would be there to strengthen you. Ten different times they come and told us, wherever you turn, they're going to attack. It's so hard when you have external haters. It's hard when Sanballat and Tobiah and enemies come and opposition shows up and the devil's attacking and there's demonic forces around you that are trying to pull you down. But it really hurts. The most difficult thing you'll ever face in your comeback is the internal opposition that you'll face on the inside. It's that stuff on the inside. It's that voice that lives on the inside of you that says, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're doing this? You're just one person and you'll never make a difference in your life. You'll, you'll always be like your daddy was. You'll always have the same problems your mother had. You, you, this marriage won't make it because that marriage didn't make it. Why do you think you're going to be a better parent to your kids than your mama was to you? It's that internal opposition. You don't have what it takes. Why do you think you can make a difference in your life? Write this in your notes. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. Let me say that again. The external opposition of your life, the stuff you face on the outside, will only affect you to the level that your internal insecurities allow them to. And that's the biggest trap of the enemy. If I can get this internal opposition, if I can get the Jews who are around you, if, I, if the devil knew, Nehemiah, if I can get the people working worried, then I don't even need Sanballat and Tobiah. Like, I don't even need the external forces. I'll just get you doubting what God said. I'll just get you worried that the work can't finish. And there's this internal security. And the moment that Nehemiah starts to battle his own insecurities, the moment that he decides, I'm going to take the focus off of me and I'm going to put my focus back on God and back on the mission, everything changes in the story. The moment he decides, listen, everybody, I know you're worried. I know you hear what everybody's saying. I know you've got some insecurities. I know you've been here before. I know you felt like the, uh, we've made progress and now we're only halfway there. What's going to happen next? I know you are. But let's get our mind back on what God called us to do. And if there's anything I want to do on week three of this series is refocus your mind on the mission, everybody. Type amen to that. Nehemiah says it like this, after I looked things over, verse 14, I stood up and I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I love this. Nehemiah says, hey, 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 everybody. We're not going to focus on them. We're not going to focus on what they say. We're not going to worry about what they say we can't do or, or how dare us try to. We're not going to do that. We're going to focus on God. This isn't our battle. This is God's battle. Listen to me. This is the word of the Lord for you this weekend. This is not your battle. That wall is not just yours. God's called you back to rebuild. This is God's mission in your life. It's, it belongs to him. He's the great and awesome one. Greater is he that's in you 
than he that's in the world. If God is for you, who could dare be against you? Come on, nothing can separate. I can just keep telling you. Nothing can separate you from the calling and the love and the purpose of God on your life. And Nehemiah says, hey, 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 get your mind off of everybody trying to stop the good work that you're doing and refocus it on the God that called you back. And the God that gave you this mission to begin with. Remember the Lord. Remember how he rescued you out of the Egyptian bondage. Remember how he opened up the Red Sea and you crossed on dry land. Remember how he gave us fire by night and manna from heaven. He, he just, Nehemiah just re, he reminds everybody, hey everybody, God's called us to this. And God has delivered us before and he'll give us the strength again. Say amen to that. The greater the, op the opposition against you, the greater the opposition and the distraction and the fight against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. Let me tell you that again. The greater the opposition against you, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you and for God to get the credit for your life making a comeback and for God to get the credit for your marriage making it through this tough season. And for God to get the credit for your finances to get back together and the business making it after a pandemic and a shutdown. If, if, you want, if you want to get all the credit, you do all the work. You focus on what everybody says you can do. But if you, if you want a miracle, you focus on what God can do. God will fight for you. Verse 14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And then he tells them it's spiritual and it's practical. It's spiritual and it's practical. Come on, write that in the, in the chat. It's spiritual and it's practical. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families. That's the rest of verse 14. Fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Remember the Lord and keep fighting. Remember the Lord and keep paying off your debt. Remember God's your provider. God's your source. And keep working that debt snowball, one baby step at a time. Remember the Lord is the one who's healed you before. Remember that God is our healer and by His stripes we are healed. He's the Lord God who heals all of our diseases, your Bible says. And keep fighting for your health. Keep doing the right things. Remember that God brought you into this marriage. Remember when you stood at that altar and said, I do, and you knew that you knew that God had put you together and fight for your marriage. Remember what God has done and keep fighting against addiction. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, I've fallen. I made a mistake. I, I, I was 30 days. I was, I, I was, I was six months with, without pornography. I'd been, it'd been a whole year since I messed up. And now here I am back in the same. Just remember God delivered you once and keep fighting against that addiction. Remember the Lord and keep fighting for it. Remember, remember that child who needs a family. Remember that victim who needs healing. Remember the lost who needs Christ. Remember the mission that God gave you. Remember why you came back to Jerusalem to begin with, Nehemiah. Remember the Lord. And let's keep building. There's going to be a battle in your life. There's going to be opposition. You will face opposition. External and internal. If you're not ready for opposition and, uh, and, and for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. I just got to tell you that. Like if, if you're not prepared to fight, then you're not prepared to be used by God. But if you are, and I know that you are, the called of God. If you've got purpose, and I know that you do. If you're ready for a comeback, and I know that you are, there's going to be opposition. 
but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Just remember the Lord's on your side and fight for it. Remember the Lord. The greater the opposition that I face, the greater the opportunity for God to show up and do in your life what only God could do. Bow your heads wherever you are at Church Online this weekend for prayer together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our church family, our friends that are gathered around a device, a TV, a laptop, gathered their family in the living room today for worship and God's word together. And I thank you for this word from Nehemiah 4 about opposition. God, I, my eyes are open today. Come on, my eyes are open that as I'm making progress, that's when the enemy shows up. That's when the opposition shows up, right when the work goes down. There are probably people today at church who, who feel like, what, why would it get harder when I'm doing the right things? Because that's when the opposition shows up. That's when the enemy shows up. Why, why would it get harder when we, when we started going to counseling and now it feels like it's worse and not better? Just keep going. Why do we, why, why do we started paying off debt and now there's, more, now there's a problem, now there's an emergency to show? Just keep going. We made progress in our relationship with our kids and now it feels like we took two steps forward and, and, and now we're taking four steps back and I don't know if this is working. It's working. The wall's halfway built. I know there's some internal insecurities. Father, I pray for people today who are battling that internal voice of the enemy that tells them just give up, just don't try. I pray against external opposition, the haters, the critics, the people who are on, on the sidelines, in the cheap seats, booing the people on the field doing the work. I pray for strength to remember the Lord and to keep fighting. Remember that God's on our side and there's work to be done. God, I pray for that kind of strength today for every person in the church. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I know there are people today that maybe you've never surrendered your heart to God, and that's the problem you're facing. That's what's really going on. It's the opposition. It's the internal struggle of, do I surrender? Do I go all in? Do I really give my heart to God? Or do I just hold on today? i got to tell you, you got to give up. you got to completely surrender it all to God. I'll lead you in that kind of a prayer today. Maybe, maybe you're not lost. Maybe you're a Christian. You're just far from God. You're just, there's just some backsliding that's happened in your life. And you realize, not as close as I used to be or where I should be. And I need a fresh start with God today. If that's you, let me lead you in a prayer. It sounds just like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for paying for my sins. You saw my mistakes before I ever made them. You saw my choices, my mess-ups my hurts, my hang-ups. Before they ever happened, you were there and you paid for them on the cross. So today I repent. Come on, you got to say it from your heart. Today I give you all of my problems, all of my mess-ups, all of my struggles, all of my doubts, all of my insecurity, all of my sin. I give it to Jesus. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. Continue the good work that you've started in me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody type amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now listen, before I let you go today, if you just prayed that final prayer with me and this is the first time you've ever surrendered your heart to God, maybe you've come back home today, you've got a next step. Come on, you started something good, but the relationship you're building with God is not a one-time thing. It's a journey. 
it's a journey. Today you've opened the door to your heart to God. I believe He saved you, forgiven you. I believe the Bible says it like this. You've been translated from one kingdom into another. A kingdom of light. It's lighting up all the places in your heart. You've got to keep working and walking through. But you've got some next steps to take. It would be my honor as your pastor and our church's honor as your church family to walk alongside you. So if you prayed that prayer today, would you just fill that connection card out? You'll find it in this video. Fill that connection card out. Check that box that says, I made a fresh start with God today. And our team will send you one, uh, uh, something in the mail, a letter in the mail. It comes from me, and, and there's a book that I want to give you called A Fresh Start with God. It gives you some next steps in your life, how God wants to do more than you could possibly imagine. Thank you for letting us come alongside you for that. Thank you to our church family who are giving. We always end our services giving to God. So if we were gathered together in church today, we would worship and give to God. And I want to invite you to do that, especially if this place is home to you, if you call City Hills home. Everything that we do, this ministry that we're bringing to you this weekend, everything is made possible by your faithfulness and your generosity. And I'm so grateful for you. You're really changing the world. Come on. Like, like Serve Day 2020, like the thousands of lives that were touched and, and, and the thousands of dollars that we were able to give and, and support and people we've supported in our church family through this pandemic and lives that have been transformed. All of that is possible because of your generosity. Come on, we're still giving to missions. We're still doing everything God's called us to do. And all of that is because of you. I'm so grateful. Whatever God tells you to do, just do that. Be faithful to God. Thank you for tithing and giving and being the generous church that you are. I love you so much. I can't wait to see you next weekend. I got a special message for you to wrap up this series. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you then.